We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Bronx Pinstripe Show number 22. We are recording this Sunday night right after the women just won the World Cup against Japan. 5-2, to two, an absolute blowout if you're talking about soccer. Scott, did you watch the game? Yeah, that game was over uh, when it was 3-0. I thought it was over actually at 2 nothing, and then I got yelled at a bunch. We're like, yeah, they can score two goals. Three goals, I was like, that's a wrap, man. There's no possible way that they're letting up three goals. So it was kind of anticlimactic, but it was pretty awesome have seen them come firing out in the beginning. 
Let's go. Those those uh those women were they came out hot, real hot. So that was cool to see. So five to two in a championship game. That's like if the final game of the World Series was decided like twenty five to three or something crazy. Yeah, I kind of feel for the goaltender because I feel like she made a bunch of mistakes. The J- the Japanese goaltender, and I hope <laughs> I don't. You know, some of these countries, man, when they I go know. back home and they just get treated that. like like crazy. I mean, I remember watching a thirty for thirty on the Columbia. I mean, granted, this was a long time ago, but the Pablo Escobar days, and like one of their dudes got shot in the street. And I mean, it's crazy that what, so what some of these countries put behind soccer. So. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully she's okay. She, maybe she should just stay in hiding for a little bit. Yeah, I think she'll be fine. I think if this were if we're if this were the men's World Cup, I think she or the goalie would have to worry a little bit more. Not that women's World Cup isn't a serious you know event and everything, but you know how some of these countries, especially uh, like you said, like Colombia or something, takes it. But yeah, it was uh, exciting though. It was fun to watch. I think it's it's one of my favorite events is the women's World Cup. I actually like the women's World Cup more than I do the men's World Cup. Uh, maybe that's just because USA is better, but. <laughs> Um, it was, it's a lot of fun to watch and, uh, they're good. They're really good. Yeah. I mean, this is the, today was the first goals they've given up. Yeah, that's right. That was, uh, it's impressive. They're, they're definitely impressive and they have some, they kept, I think some of the, uh, the, the older players on the team for, you know, maybe some leadership positions that come in later in the games. And, but there's a lot of, uh, of the young stars doing, doing some, one of the girls is from Jersey, actually the girl that, uh, that had the goal, three goals today had a, was from Jersey. Uh, so that's a two minutes of soccer breakdown. That's as much as I have in me. I don't know about you, but uh, I got I got nothing else to get <laughs> When you were talking, I was like, yeah, I don't know what he's talking about anymore. I'm just gonna let you talk. I just All looked right. up the one girl because I heard she was from Jersey, and I wanted to see what town she was from. All right. All right. So Fourth of July weekend. Happy Fourth. Uh, happy Fourth to everyone out there. Uh, what'd you do this weekend? So I was in. I had some awesome, awesome uh, seats for the Macy's Day uh, fireworks. I put a bunch of pictures up on Instagram and on Twitter, actually. Uh, but my sister lives in Brooklyn and Williamsburg, so we were on the rooftop up there checking them out, and uh, it was awesome. And they had four barges out in the East River, and uh, it was it was right right in front of the basically the Empire State Building. So you kind of got a light show at the Empire State Building, and then the fireworks did not disappoint. They were pretty awesome. So. Uh, I was in I was in Brooklyn for a couple of days. Yeah, fireworks are one of those things that pictures usually do not do them justice. But I saw those pictures you posted, and that looked pretty awesome. Yeah, we took probably four thousand pictures though, so <laughs> you, have to, you have to like go through them to find the ones that are not blurry. Uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. We uh, so we had some some good nice little party on the top uh, of her apartment building, and um, yeah, it was a good time. Nice. I was uh, down in Rhode Island for uh, back home with the family. It was my cousin's graduation party slash Fourth of July cookout. My uncle does it every year. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, we set off some mini fireworks, sparklers in the backyard. And luckily, no one pulled a Jason Pierre-Paul and blew their hand off. Uh, oh, my gosh. I just read about that. That was yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's that sucks. <laughs> you always hear about the fire firework mishaps on the 4th of July. What the hell is he doing? He needs to hire a guy. Right? I don't. Yeah, what's he looking for? That extra little that extra little thrill? Come on, man. You need those hands. Yeah. Doesn't he do a contract soon too? I mean, yep. that, that's, that's no good. Yeah, he's gonna lose some some money on that one. Some some fingers and some money. That's bad. Yeah. And then today <laughs> I was at the beach. It was finally nice out. Uh, yesterday was kind of crummy. Today I went to the beach uh, back home in Rhode Island, and for so I always miss a spot with sunscreen. And today I missed literally a line from my neck down to my stomach, just like a line. It's just beet red. I'm I'm like translucent. I burn anyway, but. First, uh, first real time at the beach this year, just absolutely toasted. Nice. I have my my wife apply uh, uh, most of the suntan lotion, so I have someone else to blame. That's <laughs> because I don't trust myself doing it because I do the same exact thing. I know. 
Yeah. Yeah. No excuses this time. It's not like I was drunk or anything. So well, there you go. Only only yourself. All right, uh, let's uh, get into some Yankees baseball talk. Uh, Yankees are in first place, one game lead over Baltimore. Uh, last time we talked, they were tied for second, uh, so they jumped up a little bit this week, which is good. They're 44-38, and 38, uh, sole possession of first place, which is always good. Um, and since last time we talked, they lost 2-3 of three in Anaheim, but then they won 2-3 of three over Tampa this weekend. So, you know, finally the, the road trip uh, was done. They've been on the road a lot this year. And they're, they're a better team, especially offensively at home. So it was good to finally get home. Yeah, and, you know, I, I heard a lot of the people, everybody talking about the, the schedule. And the Yankees have definitely had a tough schedule the first half of the season. And we're, you know, we're going to be at home more often um, in the second half. So I think the schedule actually plays in our, in our favor. And obviously, you know, we have, we've built this team, uh, for the most part, I'd say around, you know, that short porch in right field. So being home is going to be a huge advantage for the Yankees. Definitely, definitely. All right, so Monday in Anaheim, the Yankees lost 4-1. to one. This was uh, CC. He pitched this game, and it was actually a better start for him than we've seen recently, but still got the loss, and that makes him 3-8 and on the season. And I was uh, looking at some of the, the stats or some of the numbers, and the, the team is 6-9 and nine in games that he started. Yeah, that's not great. It, it's unfortunate the way, you know, when he, he finally delivers a, you know, a quality performance, I guess, and the the bats can't do anything behind him. C.J. Wilson just kind of shut down the Yankees, and um, Gardner was one, you know one of the the lone bright bright spots in the lineup uh, with three hits, and he's just been raking as of late. Yeah, it was really sort of a, a lousy game all the way around, and um, I guess some some more news came out after that game. Some people took this as bad news: is that they were officially moving Adam Warren to the bullpen. So this sort of six man rotation experiment only lasted one time through the rotation, and Warren got pushed to the pen. Yeah, and this kind of leads me to believe that Girardi was not really doing a six-man rotation. He was just stretching some, you know, a couple guys out in the beginning to see what was going to happen, and uh, that he really wasn't committed to that. So uh, it seems like that was all kind of a bunch of smoke and mirrors. But this is the move that you and I have talked about for some time, and we, we kind of saw it coming because it's the one that makes the most sense, really. I mean, you keep hearing the chirps for CC to go to the bullpen, and for Warren to stay in the bullpen. And if you're looking at their starting numbers, okay, I can see how that makes some sense. But if you're looking at the people, CeCe's never pitched in the bullpen. He's not a bullpen arm. And Warren's had a lot of success in the pen. And we need right-handed pitching out there. So it's really the move that makes the most sense. What annoyed me about this is that they sort of sold it to us as an innings management thing for Warren. They said he's already exceeded his inning limits, uh, his innings limit from last year, which is true. And they just want to, you know, that was like the main reason they're moving to the pen because they don't want him to injure himself, which I'm sure plays a factor. But just call it what it is. You're not moving CeCe to the pen because, he, like you just said, he's never pitched in the pen. His stuff doesn't translate there. And you need Warren in the pen. You have a lack of right-handers. I don't know why they just can't say that. Well, I, you know, I don't think CeCe's even an option. I don't think it's between him and CeCe for the pen, personally, because CeCe's not going to go in the pen. It's just not going to happen. Not to mention they have you know, an abundance of left-handed pitching out there. So they don't need another lefty out there. Um, they have a guy named Chris Capuano who can be stretched yeah. out as a long lefty. So they, they just need the right-handed pitcher. So, I mean, I see what you're saying. Uh, I don't think it's between one or the other, but I think it's just Warren is the guy that needs to go out there because he's had success in there in the past. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think it's going to really make for a dominant bullpen once Miller's back, especially. Then you, you're talking about a back end of the bullpen of Miller, Batances, Warren, Shreve, and Wilson. 
Yeah, and you know, with the recent success of Shreve and Wilson, and now adding Warren again, we talked we touched on this last week because Shreve and, and Wilson have been really good lately, and they've kind of stepped up. You know, with with Miller being out, and you're adding another very high quality arm in the back of that, in the back of that bullpen, and and you know the back is starting to is starting to kind of leak into the sixth inning, right? Um, so it gives us a lot of uh, a, a pretty big security blanket, I think, in the games. Really does shorten the game, and this team has shown the ability to come back in late innings, and the bullpen should keep them in a lot of games, either tied or only down a run or two. So hopefully they, they can win a lot of games like we saw over the weekend coming back. So I, I think people are just upset because Warren's been so good in the rotation, but I think he's going to do even better in the pen. So, yeah, I get it. And I think Jabba, the the whole Jabba situation, the way that the Yankees kind of treated him and the way that they a lot of people feel like they ruined him um, with going back and forth and back and forth, I think people are still kind of salty from that whole situation, and they don't want to see that happen to Warren. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to move him back. Um, that would just be another, like you said, Jabba situation, and then you're going right. to blow the kid's arm out, and everybody loses in that scenario. Right, I agree. Moving him, Not moving him back, though. I'm not going to go as far as saying they won't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could see it happening. They shouldn't, anyway. Right. All right, Tuesday, they lost 2-1. to one. Again, the offense totally flat. They only had four base runners in the entire game. Um, and it's sort of one of those things that it's extremely evident on the road is that when they don't hit home runs, they don't score runs. Right. I mean, the, hit, the team doesn't hit for average. We hit a lot of home runs. So this is what we're going to see. We're going to see this feast or famine. And and when they're not hitting, it's just, you know, it's it's kind of painful to watch. So... Um, this this week was a lot of we saw a lot of anemic offense. We saw just just not good at bats, and uh, you know when we're not hitting the ball, it's it's kind of painful to watch. But when these guys are, the ball's flying out of the ballpark. Ivan Nova on Tuesday, that was his second start back from the DL, and it was another good start. It wasn't quite as good as the first one, but it, it was definitely another step in the right direction because I think the most important thing is he was healthy. The only real hiccup he had was back-to-back home runs he gave up to Pujols and Eric Ibar in the sixth inning. And I, I know you look at that Anaheim lineup, and other than Trout and Pujols, they don't really have many hitters. But you give up two runs in a game, you're, you got to win. Yeah, and it's the sixth inning, right? And he's pitching with a one nothing lead. So, I mean, he's pitching with no room for error at all. Second start back. I mean, let's 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 score some runs for this guy. Let him kind of groove back into the rotation. You know what I mean? I mean, this is uh, this has been kind of that's uh, tough to to pitch into the sixth inning with a one run lead and just be as careful as you need to be on your second spot back. So um, he pitched very well. He he pitched very well. I'm, I've been very happy with him uh, since he's returned. I mean, it's hard enough to stay up to one a.m. and watch these West Coast games. No kidding. But when you're when your offense is scoring one run a game and four base runners, it's like I'm. Passing it's out. like one it's eye open. Happening. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> All right. Uh, Wednesday, the game actually started at a normal time, 7 o'clock. It was an afternoon game out there in Anaheim. And the Yankees won this game 3-1. to one. Evaldi pitched five and a third innings and no runs. He, he came out of the game. Um, he had the bases loaded, and Shreve sort of bailed him out of the jam there. But I know you and I are going to you know argue a little bit on Evaldi here, but he's, he's definitely, definitely improving. You know, the past three games, he's had uh, three starts in a row that have been quality starts. Uh, if you look uh, on Bronx Pinstripes, um, one of our guys put an article up, Stephen Jacobson put an article up about how how Evaldi has been really changing uh, what he's doing and throwing his split and his curve a lot more and kind of, you know, laying off that fastball as much and really changing speed. So 
he, he breaks it down. Stephen uh, Jacobson on our site breaks down this uh, the of all these kind of turnaround uh, very with a lot of statistical backup. So if you're a stat guy, definitely check it out. It's a good read. Um, but yeah, I mean, just by the eye test, I'm I'm a big eye test guy, and just by watching him, he seems more comfortable. He seems a, a lot more confident, and and that's huge because he's still throwing 100 miles an hour, and he's still you know um, throwing in up until the fifth inning, even before he for the most part he was good. Uh, so we just need to stretch him out a little bit. He needs to, to get deeper into games. That's kind of the next step, I think. So I'm looking at some of those numbers right now. And before this little stretch of good good games that he's had, batters were hitting 329 off of him, which is just absolutely outrageous. You're never going to win games if you're giving up a 329 average. But in this 17 and a third inning stretch where he's had good games, they're only hitting 206. And for Evaldi to be holding guys to 206 is pretty damn good. Yeah, and... You know, he mentions in the article, too, about how unlucky he's been, uh, if you have that in front of you. But he's, he's, he's been one of those guys, and just from me watching him, I mean, we've talked about this a bunch. He, I mean, every, everybody who listens to the show knows I'm, I'm big on potential. I mean, as are the Yankees, obviously, because that was the big reason they got him. They see the big guy, they see the big arm, and they think, you know, Rothschild really thinks he can work with him and turn him into a pitcher. And over the past three starts, he's definitely been improving. And the, the kid is not using his fastball as much. Which is good because that means people are not picking it out as much, and they're not sitting. They're not sitting red, because um, I don't care how, far, how how hard you throw a ball in the major leagues, you're going to get hit if it's just a fastball, and that's the only pitch you can locate. So, the fact that he's mixing in these other pitches and is able to locate them is uh, is a very good thing. It's definitely encouraging that he's getting better, and it, you're right. It is like watching a different pitcher right now because he's thrown his curve and his split a lot more, and his split is looking pretty good. So, yeah. so yes, I'm looking forward to his next start. But I'm not quite ready to say that he's completely turned his season around. Well, he's he's uh, what, what's his record right now? I think he's seven and two or eight and two or he's got the, he's pretty much got the best record um, on the team as well. And he's I know he's throwing around a four ERA, but let's yeah, well, let's let's just let's let's get on the couch here for a second, okay? <laughs> let's let's just talk about the real reason you don't like him. Why is the real reason you don't like Nathan Avaldi? I have no damn clue what you're talking about. Yeah, there is I know there's a reason. There's a reason behind it. All right, he looks exactly like Carl Pavano. <laughs> there it is. There it is. And, and that's why you don't like him. And any Yankee fan listening, if you're if you are older than 12 years old, you loathe Carl Pavano. And I know that I'm just sort of being, you know, I'm trying to be funny here, but yeah, that's not really the the reason I dislike him. I don't dislike him. I right. I, I think he is has been you know pretty good since they got him. Um, I'm happy. I always say you know you always trade offense for pitching, and that's what they did. So uh, I'm encouraged by his last few starts. I want to see more of it though. I'm not ready to say Evaldi has transformed his game yet. No, I agree with that. I mean, we definitely need to see more. Uh, we need to see more than three starts, but it's definitely uh, like you said, it's a step in the right direction. And seeing it three times in a row is extremely encouraging. Definitely, definitely. All right, so the Yankees got out of Anaheim uh, salvaging one game of the trip. And thank God, but that is the last time they're on the West Coast this year. Which, right. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, we're halfway through the season and they're done with West Coast games. It's pretty so. nice to get rid of it, get yeah. it out of the way by now, right? Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. And we talked about it earlier in this episode that they're better at home than they are on the road. But the West Coast, I don't care how good or bad the teams are. Those are always tough games. So done with that. Thank God. All right, so they came back home Friday uh, against Tampa, and Tampa had been in a real rough stretch. They had almost been no-hit three nights in a row by Cleveland, um, and Cleveland's got great pitching, but 
Tampa really just has no hitting right now. Longoria, who's always been their best hitter, his wrist is a little sore, I think, and so he's had some issues. Um, so really just a, a, a flat offensive team coming into the Bronx. And on Friday night, it was Tanaka versus Archer, which is a great pitching matchup. Archer absolutely owns the Yankees. He's just brutal on the Yankees. Yeah, and you figure Tanaka can own Tampa, especially with the way they're going. But they sort of roughed him up early in that game, scored two quick runs off of him. Yeah, and, and it was kind of... I was uh, I was on Twitter for this game, watching it and tweeting as well, and it was like, oh, here we go again. You know, we really need him to settle in because he's had a few or a couple bad starts before this, and this was a perfect opportunity at home against a, a struggling offense for him to kind of, um, you know, get his uh, get his mojo back. And after those first two uh, two runs, we came across the the, the plate and in the first inning, you were kind of scratching your head, but he did settle in and and really uh, pitched a much better game after that. Yeah, his final line was was fine. It was six innings, six hits, three runs, but he did have 96 pitches. And I'm sorry, but three runs against Tampa, like I just said, is it's it's like giving up five runs to a normal hitting team, in my opinion. But yeah, it's it's definitely still you know we're, we're still kind of uh, waiting for him to him to come back to and and regain his dominant stuff because the last three games you just haven't seen it. You haven't seen that bite on the ball uh, that he had, um, you know, before that. And uh, so, uh, you know. I'm glad that he settled down because I was I was really 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 hoping that we weren't going to see another train wreck and um, luckily we didn't so hopefully he can kind of rebound or he can kind of build off of uh, the way he finished that game and, and bring it into the next start. Well, the game got interesting in the eighth inning. Uh, Teixeira tied the game with a three-run bomb down the right field line, and um, I'm sorry, Teixeira needs to be on the All-Star team, and especially with Cabrera now on the DL with a calf yeah. injury. You got to put Tex there at first base. Maybe he doesn't start, but he's got to be on the team. I totally agree with you. I mean, we need to see him on there. That home run was awesome. Um, I, I got so fired up when, when when that happened. So that was. Uh, I love seeing these comeback wins in, in, in Yankee Stadium. Like the, there's nothing better than that, in my opinion. When when baseball, when we're trailing at the at the at the stadium, not that we're trailing, but when we come back, um, whether it's a big home run or a big hit like that, it's that place just rocks and it gets fired up. I love it. Yep, I definitely get the feeling that in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, if this team is within a run or two or even three, they've got a chance. Yeah, no doubt about it. With the pop that we have, um, and we we have pop on the bench now too. There's uh there's there's you can never say you can never say die with this team um so there, that's huge and especially if we if we continue and we have this this strength in the back of the pen when we have this offense late in games there's no doubt about it we can get to other teams bullpens so the the game goes to extras and I had a little bit of a, a pet peeve with what Girardi did in the twelfth inning Warren is pitching he had uh, already pitched the previous inning um and he he gave up a one out single. And Joe takes him out and brings in Shreve. Now, I love Shreve. Shreve has been absolutely great. But Warren has been one of your best pitchers all year. And he's stretched out. And he can go three, four, maybe even five innings. Because we've already seen a 19-inning game that's happened this year. You don't know how long the game's going to go. And you've got a guy in there who's good and also can pitch a lot. And he takes him out for a short reliever. And Shreve just sort of totally lost the strike zone. Ended up giving up two runs, and I just don't really understand that that decision. Yeah, and it's kind of funny that it was Shreve that came in too, because it's kind of been opposite for the beginning of the season with Girardi, right? I mean, he's he's he hadn't had the confidence in Shreve, it seemed like, and he would uh, he would take him out prematurely. And this this uh, this time it was kind of reversed. But I, I get it. Warren is still stretched out. 
uh, at least more than anybody else out there. Uh, so I would have definitely uh, left him in as well. Yeah. Uh, and Shreve got out of – he gave up two runs, but then he got out of a, a jam, and he gave the Yankees a chance. And Teixeira had an RBI single, and then McCann with the walk-off three-run bomb uh, as fireworks were going off behind the right field bleachers, which I thought was yeah. awesome. Uh, best one of the year by far. It was going off before his at bat too. I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't like these fireworks had started. You know, if, whoever didn't if you didn't watch the game, these fireworks did not start like after he hit the ball. They were going off. Um, I think in the you know the at bat beforehand. Yeah. Um. So it was it was pretty interesting to see. And yeah, he man, yeah, that was it was a no doubter off the bat. It was gone. It was awesome. Um. So Teixeira and McCann won this game absolutely. And yep. I was listening. I, I was at the beach today, as I said. I was listening to the radio. I wasn't able to watch the game. But uh, Susan Waldman was talking about that every time the team runs out to the field, it's either Teixeira or McCann that lead them out. The past 20 years, it's been Jeter. But that's showing that if Teixeira and McCann are the ones leading them out, there's your veteran leadership. That, that seems like they, they've been sort of the voice of the Yankees this year. They've been, they've been the leaders in the clubhouse. Yeah, and you see it from – you definitely see it from McCann. You know, just being the, the catcher, he's, he's the guy who's kind of um, – you know, telling everybody what to do in the infield, and and he's he's kind of the when you're on the field, he's the guy in charge. He's kind of like the field general, right? Uh, so I, I definitely saw those leadership qualities when he came over. And and Tex is really, I think, it seemed like I always thought Tex was more of a quiet guy, but he's as he's gotten older and um, you know become more of the one of the long longer tenured guys. Um, you definitely see him being a lot more outspoken with the rest of the guys. So yeah, it's good to see for sure. Um, with, with the veterans in there, I, I think Gardy also plays a big. I think they have a really good chemistry, actually. And the more now that more I think about it, and I'm talking about it, I see a lot of guys really just contributing to that because A Rod's also been one of those guys who actually who hasn't been outspoken, um, really. And you don't see it as much, but he's definitely doing a lot in that clubhouse. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I think that this probably has been one of the, the, as far as chemistry goes, one of the better teams they've had in recent memory. Yeah, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. So Saturday uh, was another exciting walk-off win for them, this time in the ninth inning. But the game started, and they got two quick runs, and then the offense went flat, which, <laughs> what else is new, right? Feast or famine, baby. That's what we got to live with. That's, what we're gonna, that's what's going to be uh, with this team. You know, we don't hit for average, but we hit, we hit, the, we hit the ball far. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, that, and that's happened uh, quite a few times where we get off to starts and then, and then kind of, lay dormant for a few innings and then uh, come back to life when the when the game is on the line. So I think they lead the league in first inning runs. Do they? Okay, that's that's good to know. I wonder what I wonder what the stats are. We'd have to look it up for for maybe next show what they are from like inning 3 to 6. <laughs> Probably near the bottom. <laughs> Just a hunch. Yeah. Uh so Pineda pitched this game and it was his second good start in a row. Uh he pitched last Sunday in Houston. He got the loss, but he did pitch eight innings, which was a complete game. On Saturday against Tampa, he pitched seven innings, five hits, no runs, ten K's and only one walk. And his K to walk ratio is eight point oh eight, which is best in the bigs. That's impressive, you know, and we talked last week about him being kind of Jekyll and Hyde, where where when he's not good, he's not good. But when he's when he's on, I mean, he's he's one of the most dominant guys in the league, and that K to walk ratio is a big reason why he just doesn't throw the he throws a lot of strikes, and you know the ball just jumps off his hand. So, um, you know, ten strikeouts uh, in seven innings, I'll take it all day long. He he pitched really well again. So it's kind of weird to see a guy with such good control and and a lot of strikeouts, um, but still he he could have a bad game. You usually see a guy 
Uh, if he struggles, okay, maybe he walked a lot of guys, and that's why he had a bad game. But Pineda always seems to be striking out a lot of guys and not walking anybody, but sometimes he's just giving up 9 or 10 hits for I don't know why. I don't know what the reason is. Yeah, it's strange. You're right. It is strange when you think about it because of the the, the control that he has. Usually those guys can, can get through and, and just kind of battle through. Especially they don't with have his the, stuff. Yeah, they, they don't have the implosions usually. Uh, but he's definitely had some implosions this season, so... It's it's kind of it's kind of head scratching to see why he has those, but um, uh, you know, but this again, this is why this is why he is Big Mike. You know, he comes out the the next time seven innings, ten Ks, no earned runs, five hits. So, um, he's he's a dominant guy, and if we can get to the, we can get to that postseason, man, that's a guy you want out there. So it was a two nothing game going into the ninth, and and Batanzas on the mound. You figure, you know. Let's uh, let's wrap this up. Fourth of July win. I'm gonna go have a beer and another hot dog and not even worry about this. But he ended up giving up a two-run home run to Souza Jr., who coming into the day was 0 for 25. Yeah, it's just one of those things. He made a bad pitch and Jr. hit it, um, and that was it. I mean, he hit the ball. He hit the ball well, and Batantis was mad. Uh, if you saw his reaction after that, he knew he made a bad pitch, and uh, Susie Jr. made him pay for it. So um, does this change anything uh, on how I look at Batances? No, not at all. Not even a little bit. I have full confidence, and I, I 100% believe he will shake it off, and um, and he just comes right back out. Yeah, he hung a slider in the middle of the plate, and I don't care if a guy is 0 for 25 or 0 for 500. I mean, he's a major league hitter. He's right. hit a hanging slider in the middle of the plate. Yeah, and so. he's, a, he's a dangerous hitter, too. Susie Jr., he's been... He, uh, he he's shown some some life against us earlier in the season too. Um, I know he's not hitting for average, but he's definitely got power. And uh, I think um, you know he's a guy who could definitely make you pay for it if you, especially if you're hanging a slider in the middle of the plate. But Batantis ended up getting the win because the Yankees walked off uh, playing a little small ball Saturday, um, a little different than Friday night where they they won it with the long ball. But uh, Teixeira let off the inning with a double, and then Perella pinch ran. Chris Young ended up walking, and then Ramon Flores bunted, but um, the pitcher for Tampa, Boxberger, threw a low uh, low over to first base for the short hop Loney, and Perola was hustling all the way. Good base running, but also ballsy base running to, to go home on that play when there's no outs. You sort of, if you're out, that sort of kills the rally there, but uh, he was safe, and they won. Yeah, I was, that's one of those where you're like, no, yes, yes, yeah. no. Um, but yeah, he was safe and uh, he got it. You just wanted to say Boxberger too, didn't you? I think I feel like that's such a great that's, name that's to say. Good, that's a good baseball name. That's a good one, yeah, Boxberger. Um, but yeah, he, um, th- you know, that was a that was a good move getting Perella in to to run, um, and Perella did his job. You know, uh, uh, Young had a had a good at bat in that game too. Um, he uh, he had a couple or a failed bunt attempt and then kind of took a weak hack, but he actually worked out that walk. It was a good at bat by him. Um, so a little bit some credit there uh, to to move the guy over in a non-conventional way. Do you think you could bunt at the major league level? Probably not. I'd say I, I would like to think I can, but I, when it when it came down to it, probably not. Like, like, but you you could bunt when you're in high school, though, right? Uh, yeah, I could absolutely bunt. I could well, bunt after high school. Why the hell can't major league hitters bunt? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They just I guess a lot of these guys don't do it, you know, and when you're out of practice, I don't know. It's it seems like it's like a foul shot. Right. Yeah. Just like hit the foul shot. I mean, I could go into the NBA and hit foul shots, I guarantee it. <laughs> oh, really? Yo, yeah, I could I could definitely hit foul shots, no doubt about it. See, no I, I think I think I'd be a better bunter than foul shooter. Oh, I don't know. I could definitely. I mean, there's there's no uh there's no variable with the with the foul shot. I mean, it's you in the in the hoop. That's it. The crowd. You got you got a guy throwing 100 miles an hour at you. Yeah, be the crowd, I guess, but you know, 
Mentally, I s- mental toughness right there. I smell a contest between you and I. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe a foul we'll, shooting contest yeah, and maybe, a bunting contest? Yeah, maybe <laughs> when we get together in August in, in the Bronx, we can, we can get this going. <laughs> Perfect. Let's do it. All right, so uh, two walk-off wins, uh, the first and second walk-off wins of the season for the team. So great wins. They win the series, but sort of laid an egg today, Sunday, um, in the Bronx. Eight to one loss, and a uh, few things happening in this game. First of all, Nova started, and that's in place of CC. CC was pushed back three days. Um, so that we'll get into that in a second, but that that's some news right there. Uh, but the offense again, nothing going against uh, Erasmo Ramirez, who is not the type of pitcher to, that should shut you down. Right, but his last, I want to say his last three starts, I don't have his numbers in front of me, but I remember hearing uh, when I was watching the game, his last three starts, he's he's had like a one ERA. I mean, he's been really hot lately. Um, not, to say that, not to say that that's, you know, a big reason. Uh, obviously, it's helping. You know, he's pitching well right now, but it's just going back to the fact that the Yankees are so hot and cold that it's, you know, feast or famine with these guys. Uh, but you kind of felt like this, I don't know, going after two walk-offs or like, is are we really going to get a win on Sunday? It just felt like we were going to lose the game. It's just, I don't know, it's like baseball correcting itself. Well, when the game was 4-1 to one and A-Rod hits the home run, I'm like, they got a chance. Yeah, I mean, that's there's a chance there, no doubt. Um, it puts them on the board. Um, and then, and then you're right. That's where a little bit of an implosion happens in the out, in the field, and then the game's the game at that when it when it became six one, it was uh, it, it felt like it was you know we didn't have a chance. Yeah, so it seemed like the team may, like you said, had a little bit of a letdown from the two previous days. Right, definitely sloppy play. Nova made a crucial error in the fifth, yeah. led to a run, and then a couple sloppy plays in the eighth inning that broke the game open. Um, Didi, why don't you describe this play because you were watching it. Yeah, so Didi, uh, it was Evan Longoria was up and kind of had a check swing. It was like a bleeder going out to shortstop, and Longoria just got mad and out of the box threw his bat and did not run. I mean, he was he was just kind of moping to first base, and I guess Didi didn't pick that up and didn't see Longoria what he was doing and tried to he was charging in, tried to barehand the ball on the infield grass, and just didn't couldn't get a, a, a grip on the ball, um, and Longoria was safe. When in reality, he could have. Sat there, had a cup of coffee, fielded it with his glove, thrown it over, and he would have been out because Longoria was not hustling down to first base. So it's just one of those, again, we, you know, we've talked about this with Didi, is it's, it's an awareness play. Like you should kind of know where that, what that runner is doing at that point if he's booking it or if he's, if he's just kind of moping down. Um, and he had no clue. He didn't see any of that. And, um, and, and he kind of rushed the play when he didn't have to. So that was it. And then the Perella, you know, Perella just booted a ball. That's, there's no other way to say it. He booted a ball, then rushed the throw and threw the ball away. Yeah, and that, that led to the game being – so probably got a double error on that play. And then that yeah. led to the game being totally blown open. But, you know, you wonder why Steven Drew is still on the roster, and it's because Perello is out there booting balls at second base. It's, it's Perello's booting balls. He's a, an average defender. And then the other guy that we have is everybody's been calling for Ref Snyder. I'm guilty of it as well because I'm all – you know, we all want his bat and kind of the, the youthful exuberance that he shows on the field – um, but he can't field the ball either. So uh, you're right. That, I mean, that's the reason he's there. Uh, he's batting 180, but he's got pop and he can defend. Well, I don't think Stephen Drew is a Gold Glover at second base by any stretch of the imagination. He's that he makes the routine play um, and he makes the majority of the plays. Compared to Perella, he's a Gold Glover. I mean, I guess so. He's Perella hasn't been terrible. He's just he's he's not known for his glove but he is known in the past for having you know an average glove we we kind of knew what we were getting from him he's not going to 
He's not going to kill you with the glove unless you're today. Um, but he's got a, you know, well, in the minors, he had a plus bat, and he's not showing that plus bat. He's just, he's really not stepping up to the challenge, to tell you the truth. Um, so that's another reason why Steven Drew is there, because Pearl's not hitting either. Yeah, I don't think they're playing him enough, though, where he I agree can get with anything that too. going. Like, you play, you, you get four what, at-bats, five at-bats every four days. It's like, you can't get in a rhythm that way. I get it, but, you know, at, at what point that, that has to become, it can't be an excuse anymore because you're now playing a role on the major league club. Yeah. So you have to take advantage of those opportunities. You know, whatever you got to do, get more work in the tunnel, you do what you got to do. But he's got to be hitting. He, he's. I think he was at 203 or 206 today. Um, the, when I saw his line, you know, he's just, he's not doing what he's supposed to do. Yeah, I got you. So and he's not taking advantage. It's an opportunity that he's not really taking advantage of. And it's a shame. I'd love to see him, uh, take advantage of it because, you know, I think I, I'm like the softest one on Steven Drew, but I still don't like him out there hitting 180. So I'd love it if Perella could play a solid second base and, and get his bat going, but I just haven't seen it yet. And I- I feel like I'm getting numb to Stephen Drew. I feel like I'm just like, oh, he's, he's out there. I'm like, it's all right, Stephen Drew. I'm like, I'm getting used to it. And he's I don't grown like it. on you. He's grown. Yeah, on you, right? I, he's yeah, like a like not 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 a good growing. But you know, if you listen to some of Girardi's press conferences, I, I think it was third or no Saturday. I think it was Saturday. I, I was watching, and you know, uh, Drew hit the ball hard in Anaheim and didn't have much to show for it. I think he had a long double at one point, but he didn't have much to show for it. And he's been hitting the ball hard and been right at people. And Girardi just keeps talking about how any second now, any second now, he's still talking about this. We're in July 4th and he's still talking about, you know, how it, he's going to come around at any minute. So I, I'm kind of sick and tired of that song and dance and just, but he's on the team. I, you know, I, I predicted June. I'm wrong. And I, I don't think, I think he's going to make the entire season now. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Hey, let's put it this way: he's not the reason they're they're losing when they lose. So, no, he's got pop too. I mean, he's a great guy off the bench, no doubt about it. All right, that that uh, covers all the games this week, but definitely a lot of news, especially with this team, man. News every day. Uh, Beltron uh, strained his oblique, left oblique in Anaheim. Uh, he ki- he kind of tried to delay, or they delayed putting him on the DL a couple days, seeing if he could maybe just rest it for a day or two, but he's on the 15-day DL now. Um, as I said, left oblique, and that can be, especially with a guy at, at his age, that could be serious. That is serious. I mean, you use that, that, that part of your body in almost everything you do in baseball, and it's also one of those things that lingers, right, and can come back at any time. It's like a hamstring or you know, one of those injuries that when you're using that part of your body every single day and pretty much almost every motion – it's one of those things that's going to linger or come back at any point. So, yes, this this is a big injury for him, I think. And I think this got a lot of people clamoring for for Judge. Yes, no doubt about it. I mean, he's he's one more he's one step away. <laughs> one step away. And, you know, listening to, again, hearing just Girardi talking, um, I don't think he's that far off. I, I, I really don't. I don't think he's that far off. I think he's actually closer than some of the Yankees, some of the fans may think. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of us didn't think he was coming up this year. But that move to AAA really put him in position to to come up to the Bronx, and I, I definitely see him coming up in the September, uh, as a September call up. Oh my God, I would love it so much if he comes up and can make an impact late in the season for this team. That'd be yeah. so awesome. Just it to, would be awesome to see the farm system producing because they've actually had some guys come up this year um, and and really help the team. So it, you know, I, I love to see that versus these free agents. 
I, I agree with that. I think, uh, you know, the Yankees, Yankee fans are, are definitely enamored by uh, their own. You know, we like to see our guys come up through the system um, and, and succeed. I, mean, I think that's why well, one of the reasons why Batances is so popular and why we like him so much. I mean, he's a guy from the Bronx who's doing well, and he's a homegrown guy. So, you know, we want to see more of that. And, um, you know, talking about one of the guys that has done well, Brian Mitchell, he had a, he did, he had a, a decent outing today. He got kind of touched up at the end, but... You know, you can't blame today on him. I mean, they made I agree. two errors behind him. No doubt about it. But he's been pitching well. I mean, you know, coming into this, he's been pitching very well, and another one of those right-handed arms that we needed, uh, and, and he's been up and has done well on, on, the, uh, on the big stage. So that's good to see. All right, so so we talked about this a few minutes ago, but CC was pushed back three days, so he's going to start Wednesday. Nova pitched uh, today instead of him. Uh, Andrew Marchand on uh, Twitter today sort of floated it out there, or maybe whenever the news was happened, he floated out there that if the Yankees wanted to move CC to the pen, this could be the start of that. But I think you and I are in agreement that's not going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen, right? I think they are they're going to give him extra days. Um, off like like they're doing now, so I see this happening more often, and and I think everybody's just kind of hoping that he can, you know, pitch five innings. So Honestly, that that's what we're expecting at this point, right? Yeah, five think, innings. That's what we want. I think they looked at the schedule and they're like, okay, he's going to pitch Wednesday, and then we've got three games in Boston, and then it's the All Star break. So he's going to have after Wednesday like another probably nine or ten days off before he pitches again, and I think that's just to give him a little bit of a mental breather. Right, you know, uh, you know, we had talked about um, last week. Maybe, you know, if he uh, came up with a, a, a dead arm and and got a little bit of a break, uh, that could be an option. And I think this is kind of giving him that that mini little option too. So you you get you have some flexibility when the All Star break comes around to give some guys some rest, an extended rest. And I think that's what's happening right now. But if he comes back, uh, you know, out of the All Star break and and he's still laying eggs out there, they're gonna have to do something with him. And I don't know what it is yet. I, I but something's gonna have to happen because you you it, at a certain point when a guy's losing you know almost every time he goes out there you can't keep sending him out there. I agree. I mean, it's not good for anybody. It's not good for the player either because you know at, at some point your confidence has to completely be shot and go away uh, if if you just you're every time you're stepping onto that bump and uh, good things are not. And happening, it sucks. So. It sucks to see it, a guy with CC who you know has been such a warrior for this team since '09. You know one of the biggest reasons they won the World Series and then was their ace for the next two, three, four years, whatever it was. It just sucks to see, but it's the reality. Yep, people get old. Things yeah. happen. <laughs> All right, more news is that Andrew Miller tomorrow, or as if you're listening to this today, on Monday will be making a rehab appearance with Scranton, and I think they're hoping he's back before the All-Star break. Yeah, you know, that's one of those guys that uh, I, I personally am like, you know, let's just put him on a couple more um of these rehabs and let's let's bring him back after the all-star break uh to why, me why is that i don't know i just i don't want to rush a guy back like that i think he's too important for us to rush him back and i, I think with the injury that he had i, I just want to be 100 percent sure that he's ready and i think that that time um you know you're, you're starting him up and then you're stopping him again for the all-star break uh, sometimes can be a bad thing especially when you're talking about a reliever who, who pitches you know uh, three, four times a week. So I don't know. I just kind of wanted him to get back and then stay back. Yeah. I mean, I never, I guess I never really thought about that, you know, starting him up and then shutting it down for a few days. But I mean, I don't think they're rushing him. I think they've, they've taken their time. I mean, it's been what a month since he went out. So yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll see if he's back before the all-star break, but if not, I don't think it's a big deal. I think he'll be back definitely after. So 
All right, uh, more injury news. Ellsbury, uh, we sort of have, <laughs> I feel like Ellsbury's been on the cusp of returning for like two weeks now. And Girardi was quoted this week as saying, uh, he'll be back when he's ready, which is just super descriptive. Um, right. Well, and also last week we saw a day where he was not in the lineup and everybody was freaking out um, because why is Ellsbury not in the lineup when he just played? And it was it was a day off uh, because he had just general fatigue was, I think, the, the way that they put it. But, you know, I, what Girardi w- was saying, he's, he's going to be back when he's ready and he's just trying to get his legs under him. Um, but the, the early report, the initial report was that he was going to be back on this past Friday. Um, that didn't happen. So what that leads me to believe is that he's going to be back sometime this week. Um, you know, I, you know, he's. I guarantee Ellsbury is circling that that Boston series. So, absolutely. Um, I I think he'll. We'll see him at Fenway. Um, get a little bit of a, a you know, probably play two days in, uh, this weekend at Fenway, and then I'll have the All Star break off again, like you said. All right. Um, so a report. Uh, and I don't really know where this came from, but it it was on you know the CBS New York that the Yankees are interested in starting rotation help, which is obvious. Uh, one of the guys was Samarja that they're interested in from the White Sox because the White Sox are kind of having a down year, and so is Samarja. But I think he's he could be a great uh, acquisition. But another guy that was floated out there that the Yanks are interested in is Clay Buckles, which I don't really know how much uh, validity is there, but um, <laughs> I, I don't know about you. I don't see the Yankees and Red Sox trading, especially for Clay Buckles. No, he's way too big of a name to to cross over in a trade. There, I mean, the 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 last trade, and the, there hadn't been one for a long time. But it was Stephen Drew and uh, Kelly uh, Johnson. Thank you, Kelly Johnson, the the forgettable Kelly Johnson. Um, yeah, so that was you know the first that was like since the eighties. Yeah, exactly. And that was like, oh, you have. I'll take your baggage. You take my baggage. <laughs> yeah. And um, so there's no possible way that's happening. I'm gonna I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put a Scott running guarantee on that. Buck, Buck, Clay Buckholz will not be in a, a Yankee uniform yeah. unless it's a free agent move later down the road. But there's so, no possible way they're trading. couple things, and I kind of hate that I'm even entertaining this. One, I don't think the Red Sox are going to trade Buckholz because he's still locked up for two more years after this year. And I, I honestly don't think the Red Sox think they're out of it, even if we think they are. And number two, if they were to trade him, it would be for prospects. And I don't see the Yankees giving up, you know, some of their young talent for a Hell guy, no. for a guy like Clay Buckholz, who's who's frankly, I mean, yeah, when he's pitching and healthy, he's good, but he's hurt half the time. And we're not sending our prospects to Boston. That's just not exactly. going to happen. Exactly. It's never going to happen. So uh, I think I think it's just more fun to talk about than actually think it's. Practical. Yeah, I think CBS Radio was looking for something there yeah. on, on that one. Now, now Samarja could be that. That could be a name I, I could see mm-hmm. uh, a lot more uh, because he's he's one of those guys who, um, you know, who could come in and, and definitely help. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I personally don't think they're going to go after a frontline guy. I think they're going to go after a guy who can eat innings and uh, kind of just bolster the back of the rotation. Um, I see a guy like that more more than I do a frontline guy for Samarja. That's going to take a lot because I really think the Yankees are trying to protect their assets. Well, it is Shark Week this re- this week, right? It is, yeah. There, there's been a and there's been like eight attacks in North Carolina. Well, and Samarja's nickname is Shark, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, well, there you go. This is a bad joke. <laughs> All right, we're halfway through the season, exactly halfway, 81 games. Um, I figure this would be a good time to sort of assess some of the free agents that they signed or retained over the off season. Uh, so, what do you think? Let's do it, man. Let's uh, let's check it out. All right. First up, Chase Headley, who probably, um, or he was the biggest position player that they signed over the offseason. We all know he came over at the trade deadline last year, had a pretty good second half for them. 
but in my opinion, has been underwhelming in the first half this year. Uh, what are your feelings on him? He's been underwhelming uh, because I think people have bigger expectations for him because of that contract. That's that's what I think Chase Headley has been. But uh, a couple things on him. One, his defense was very, it was crazy weird in the beginning of the season, right? It was like he was making unforced errors that he just didn't see. Uh, but I think he's really tightened that up as of late. I think he's he's definitely become uh, he's he's more of the guy that we thought he was, a, a sure-handed third baseman, and he's definitely been hitting the ball better recently. So. I don't know. To me, he's kind of like that steady guy at third. Um, I, I I think he's a good addition. I think he's a good clubhouse guy. I think he you know plays his ass off. Um, I, I like the Chase Headley move. I'm glad he's there. And I'm comparing this contract directly to the Panda. And I love looking at it because I love looking at the contracts because everybody who says the Chase Headley contract was terrible, go look over at that contract that Pablo Sandoval um, signed in Boston and look what he's doing. Just please look at the numbers. Look at what he's doing, what a distraction he is, and then look at the numbers again, and then you will say, I am so happy that Chase Headley is my third baseman. So the numbers are actually kind of funny uh, that they're so similar. Yeah. Um, I mean, everything down to the on-base percentage is only like a few points off. But you're right. The Yankees got Chase Headley for half the money that the Red Sox are playing Sandoval. And Sandoval um, can't hit uh, right-handed. <laughs> Just absolutely can't hit right-handed. Um but the one thing is that, I mean, Headley has 16 errors, which I know you said some of them were weird, but 16 errors is way too many errors at this point in the season. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, he definitely had a lot of struggles early in the season. I'm just talking about as of late, I think he's really tightened that up. Um, and I think that it was kind of fluky. I mean, I, I mentioned that early when it was happening. I, I thought it was fluky then, and I, I still think it's a fluky thing because I know you when you talk about defense – and I think defense more than offense. You look at it. You can look at the the history of of kind of what they do. And he's always been a plus defender. So, and you know he makes the spectacular play. He's got that over the top throw that he was kind of off uh, for for a little while. But um, I think he's settling back in there. All right. Next up, Andrew Miller. Love it. I mean, how can you not like it? The only the only blemish he had early in the season was that Ryan Zimmerman home run that that. Somehow, I don't know how the hell that thing stayed fair, but it did. Um, but he's been he's been awesome. I mean, this injury was was I think a bump in the road, but I mean, having him and Batantis in the back is just it's it's too valuable to it's so valuable to have, and um, I love the move. Yeah, I mean, you can't say anything bad about that so far. Um, I'm not even going to get into the numbers because we all know the numbers, and I can't wait till he's back because it totally makes the game it, it changes the entire game for the Yankees. Turns it into a seven-inning game, maybe even like a six-inning game. So, um, absolutely home run, in my opinion. Yep, no doubt. All right, Steven Drew. I one, mean, I, they signed him to a one-year $5 million $5 million. Contract. You're right. So, I mean, it's it's $5 million bucks to the Yankees' pocket change. Uh, you know, he's a guy that has flexibility. He gives us that. That's great. I'm being monotone because I'm sick of talking about Steven Drew. Um, but, yeah, he's still batting 180. He's not going to get to the Mendoza line this year because he's really digging himself a grave. And he has pop. So, you know, he's there. He's going to be there. So I hope he can make – I hope Steven Drew hits a really big home run this year. I really do. Well, he already I hope, has. I mean, I, I mean, a big one to, like, win the World Series. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, yeah. Like, like yeah, a I big, hope that big home run. Yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. Because it will justify everything. I'll just, I will love him forever. Well, that's what happened with J.D. Drew in Boston. Uh, he signed a big contract in uh, before the 07 season, or I think before the 07 season, and he was just terrible all year. Red Sox fans hated him. And then he hit a grand slam in Game 7 of the ALCS, pretty much won them the game. 
uh, and they won the World Series that year. And no one said a bad word about J.D. Drew after that. So Yeah, that's what will happen. So, you know, I, I'm, it's Stephen Drew is just eh. <laughs> eh. Agreed. Chris Young. Chris Young's been awesome. Um, I, I love the Chris Young move because, one, he was terrible with the Mets, and he came over here and has been tremendous, which is funny to me. It's just, it's just, it just humors me. Um, and the, the fact that he carried the team in early in the season in April and into, um, into May was awesome because, honestly, without Chris Young, uh, this team would have been – I think, you know, a few games back uh, to where they were. I mean, he, he, he definitely added wins to the season because of he was carrying the offense for a long time. And then he had a scorching June as well, um, and he's been finding regular playing time again. So with Beltran hurt um, and, and having him with flexibility to play the outfield positions, I think he's a really big addition. I think he's a big part of this team. Agreed. So those are sort of four of the more uh, moderate you know, contracts that the Yankees handed out this year. But a year ago, uh, before the 2014 season, they made a half a billion dollar investment in the team uh, in Tanaka, McCann, Beltran, and Ellsbury. And there was an article on ESPN.com this week and that uh, Andrew Marchand wrote. And it's kind of interesting, sort of assessing all those guys over the last year and a half and if they've been worth it to the Yankees. Um, and I, I want to read one quote uh, from Cashman that I thought was just classic Cashman. He says, money doesn't always equate to performance. In fact, most of the time, it will never equate. That's the cost of doing business. Signing a player to a long-term contract is like buying a car. They don't tend to get better with age, and the ones that do are probably cheating. (laughs) I laughed when I read that because I think Cashman's always been um, transparent with the media. He's always been forthcoming. And, I mean, he's basically admitting that you know, you sign these guys to six, seven, eight-year deals, they're most likely not going to work out. And I think a lot of people, people beat them up for, for some of that stuff. But, you know, that's what it takes to sign guys. You have to do it uh, if you want them. And granted, you're, you're going to get a short-term return, I think. But um, but that's why they do it. You know, they, they know that going into it. So it, it's kind of one of those things you deal with. And, you know, assessing those those acquisitions that you were talking about when we made that a big offseason – um, Tanaka, McCann, Beltran, and Ellsbury. I mean, these guys have all contributed. Beltran's probably the one guy that you know that we could have done without because of well, a couple things. One, he's been not very good. He's been injured, and we have you know uh, depth in the minor leagues in the in the outfield corner outfield position. So there's guys that can come up and play. Um, I think can play effectively. I think can play on the major league level right now. So, but you can't knock Tanaka because you just can't because he's a he's a, a number one stud. Um, McCann has really been. I was I was kind of hard on McCann early in the season, but he, you know, he's really proven to be, like you said, a leader. He's leading the guys out in the field. Um, you know, he's hitting big home runs. He's just a gritty guy. He's been. I think he's been much better than advertised behind the plate, um, especially throwing guys out. He, you see a lot of more pass balls with him, but um, but yeah. And then Ellsbury, I think, is a game changer when he's on the field. So I'm going to start with Beltron. Three years and $45 million for a guy who was already like at the end of his career, I think was way too much. Right. I think what Cashman was hoping is he would fill in um, right field until some of the young guys came up. But he's just been injured pretty much the whole time since he's been here. And I think you could have filled in that outfield spot with other guys. And we've seen them do it, right? Like Chris Young has yeah. been more than adequate 
uh, of an of a fill in outfielder for a million and a half dollars. I think they could have done something like that versus shelled out forty five million for a guy like Beltron. Totally agree. Ellsbury. I at the time hated the Ellsbury signing because I felt they could have used Ellsbury and Beltron's money to re-sign Cano. And I know they didn't want to go 10 years with Cano, but I at the time made the argument, I'd rather have 10 years of Cano than 7 years of Ellsbury. So far, Ellsbury, like you said, when he's been playing has been awesome. But his history is that he gets injured a lot. So when you sign a guy who relies on his legs... Um, late into his 30s, you're going to have injuries. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm st- I think the jury is still out on Ellsbury. Well, one of the things about Ellsbury, too, and I, I have a feeling this was talked about, too, when, we, when he had that contract, was Ellsbury has the ability later in his career to, to kind of transform. Uh, you know, if, he doesn't, if his legs aren't what they used to be, he's, got, he's shown power in the past, too, and I feel like he's one, one of those season, guys. One season. I get it, but I feel like with, with the way Yankee Stadium is, I feel like he's one of the, he, he could really you know, he could transform his game a little bit. I feel like he has that ability. Um, so, and Cano's doing terrible, and everybody in Seattle <laughs> knows it. <laughs> That's because he misses New York. Yeah, he does. He misses it so badly. Um, McCann I, I've loved so far. I think I think especially this year he's he's you know he's got like fifty something RBIs or whatever yeah. he's been absolutely a rock behind home plate and I think um, McCann probably has been the best of those signings so far Tanaka um, I think like Ellsbury uh, I I'm still up in the air because yes when you know if you asked me in July of last year I would have been like that's the best hundred and fifty million dollars the Yankees have ever spent they just got a an ace in his mid twenties but that ace might be hurt a bunch and he's looked sort of rocky since he's come back. So I think it's still, the jury's out on him, but I just thought it was an interesting, um, uh, an interesting read. They break down all the stats of these guys over the last year and a half and $500 million is nothing to sneeze at. And, you know, right now what it's gotten them is a missed playoff appearance last year. And then they're a game up in the division this year. So, Speaking of the AL East, I think we got a voicemail um, from somebody out in Colorado that we're going to play uh, talking about that topic. Hey guys, this is Pete in Colorado. Hey, just uh, I'm kind of a rant or I guess a comment. Wanted to know your opinion. Uh, as you guys know, the AL East is so tight. It's so close. It's much closer than any of the other divisions. Um, and I basically just wanted to know why you think that is. Is this a... Is this four, well, I mean, with the exception of Boston, so four teams that are this evenly matched, are they, um, are these four teams, teams that haven't tried hard enough to take the lead? Is it just pure happenstance and luck that they're this evenly matched? You know, it's frustrating because over the past month, it's such an opportunity lost to pull ahead. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks, Pete in Colorado. I think you said your name is Pete. Uh, I couldn't quite hear there. But, uh, Scott, he was asking, you know, why is the ALE so tight this year? Uh, everybody's bunched up with the exception of the Red Sox right now. You know, wh- why do you think this division is so tight? I think it's uh, just in general it's mediocre. That's why. <laughs> I think it's it's mediocre. I think the Yankees have by far the most talent in this uh, in this division, and the the pitching everywhere else I think is just not as good. Um, so, and I think the teams beat up on each other a lot because of that. So, 
I, to put a finger on it, I, I just, I just honestly don't think it's as good. I, I don't think it's, it's that, that good of a division uh, this year. So I think we're going to see a lot more bunching. I wouldn't be surprised if Boston climbed back into it at some point and this, this every, we were all just bunched at the top until the last week of the season. I, I would not be surprised. But at the same time, I would not be surprised if the Yankees came out and, and put, put, you know, uh, another a nice little winning streak and separated themselves by four or five games because I do think they are the best team in this division. So. Uh, coming back after the All-Star break, we have a lot of injuries uh, that are kind of coming back, and I think uh, we're, we're poised for a nice little run. So uh, I agree that the division is mediocre, but I think the entire league is mediocre. When you look at it, I mean, the, the AL East is the only one where there's four teams within two games of each other. Right. But if you look at the records of you know Kansas City and Minnesota, who are top in the Central, they're not much better. They're two games ahead of the Yankees. Houston is four games ahead of the Yankees, and then L.A. is right there with the Yankees. So I just think that's, that's the reality of baseball this year. There's a lot of parity. Yeah. No, I agree. That, that, that's, that's definitely – there's no one standout team. Um, I don't think anybody is really just head over heels better than another team. So, And it seems like everybody has a couple top-line starters that could do well in the, uh, in the postseason. Um, but I think in the L East, you see, you see less of that, right? Like Boston doesn't have it. Um, Toronto, to me, doesn't have it. Uh, Baltimore is 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 I don't think has a top line starter. Um, so you know I think Tampa has a couple guys that that could be that could be that. But I think the top line pitching in the AL East is a little bit um, less competitive than in the other um, divisions. So Pete asked why, uh, or he said that the Yankees missed an opportunity to pull ahead. And I, I agree, they did miss an opportunity, but I don't think any of the teams are capable of pulling ahead. So we're going to be sitting here in the middle of September, and it, I've said this a million times, it's going to be a two-game difference between probably at least three of those teams. So whoever can win the most games in September, I think, is going to make the playoffs. And who knows, maybe they'll have a wild card spot. Something we didn't think was going to happen, like you said last week, yeah. but, it, but it could happen. Oh, it's 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 kind of lining up that way. We're We're going to be in competition for that spot, so no doubt. All right, so before we wrap up this week, um, you're going to Hank's Yanks tomorrow, right? Yes, I'm pumped up for it. Um, we're Rich Kaufman, uh, our editor, and I are going to be going to the Hank's Yanks Golf Classic um, at Ferry Point in the new Trump course in the Bronx. So we're going to be going there uh, for the cocktail hour and dinner and uh, hopefully meeting a whole bunch of Yankees. Uh, the Dellen Batantis will be there. Uh, A-Rod will be there for a little bit. And then a whole bunch of a slew of former guys, uh, former Yankees will be there as well. A lot, of, a lot of the yes guys will be there. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and hopefully we can get some. Um, I have some good stories. Hopefully when I come back, and uh, maybe some some good pictures and possibly some some audio footage. So yeah, looking forward to it. It's for a great cause. Um, Dylan Batances is getting honored, and uh, they're going to be doing a silent auction. But the the honoring Dylan for a lot of his community work um, in New York. So he's been a great. Role model, I know, for a lot of the uh, the young kids in New York and especially in the Bronx. Um, so well worth it. And then um, A-Rod is also going to be there as well. And we're going to be doing a silent auction uh, for Hanks Yanks Charities. And uh, I think they're splitting it up between a few other ones. So exciting and it'll be a lot of fun. And I'll, I'll definitely report on it next week. Sounds good. Make sure you follow Bronx Pinstripe, Scott on Twitter, uh, Rich as well. I'm sure they'll be tweeting out a lot of pics. Uh, Instagram as well, and uh, maybe uh, we can get a, a blog recap of it up on the site this week as well. Oh, definitely we will. Sounds good. All right, uh, happy fourth, everyone, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. 
Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.